0: Welcome to the Fighting for Joy Podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. And today I am joined once again by my husband, Eric. Hey, Eric.
1: Good morning.
0: Well, did you ever think you would be doing a podcast on menopause?
1: I didn't, but I'm glad we are. And now I'm planning on it.
0: Yeah, well, that is our topic for today. It's women and their hormones during menopause. And I suppose I could have asked a female friend um, to do this episode with me, and maybe I should have. But the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you is because you have been up close and personal. You've walked with me. These past two-ish years of as things have, you know, kind of turned upside down a little bit and right. not only have you seen everything firsthand, but you've also definitely been my biggest cheerleader and supporter as I've explored different options and sought out some help and really just tried to gain as much information as I could about what the second half of my life will look like. And hopefully you can help me explain some of the things I want to communicate too.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, well, I am still in the middle of this journey. I haven't figured it all out. Um, I'm definitely not an expert, so remember that as you listen. Uh, For sure, check everything I say with your own doctor and listen to your own body. But I wanted to start the conversation here because it has been an area in my life recently that has affected my joy at times. I've learned to fight for joy through a lot of difficult things we both have together, so... I would say that I was kind of taken by surprise by how going through menopause has affected me. I've never really done well with change, as you know. So um, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised by how hard this change would be on me, but I was. Um, Obviously, I wouldn't rank it up with grief or some of the other harder things we've had to walk through over the years, but it has been tough and new. And not new meaning I hadn't been thinking about it because actually I have thought a lot about it and have been almost dreading it for a long time because I can remember this in my mom's life. And I kind of remember things falling apart for her when she entered into menopause. Um, Even when I look at family pictures, I can kind of see when things started to change and it really affected her holistically. And so as her daughter, even in my 20s and 30s, I just began to worry about how it was going to affect me. So whereas some women might be kind of blindsided by the changes of midlife, I had been anticipating them, almost dreading them, um, but starting also to prepare myself for them. And still, it has been a strange transition and harder than I thought it would be, hence my need to fight for joy. So my goal today with the episode really isn't to get into all the details and specifics of what it has looked like for me. Because if I've learned one thing about this, it's that each woman's journey really is unique to them. And there are a wide range of symptoms. And you mix that with different personality types. And you mix that with the season of life you're in when it all starts. And you mix that with what kind of support and resources you have and the experiences and the stories become really diverse. So my goal today is to share and communicate some overarching ways that we as women can feel more equipped to fight for joy in and through perimenopause and menopause, because I do think that some of the things that have helped me can help you too. And if you're not in this season yet, I hope you keep listening because I wish I would have gathered even more information ahead of it hitting me, but back to my co-host Eric today. Um, I am hoping that his perspective might shed some light on those listening who are supporting somebody and trying to love somebody through menopause as well. So again, thanks, Eric, for your willingness to publicly have this potentially awkward conversation with me.
1: <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We um, didn't know a lot of this going into it. I felt like um, I certainly was not read up on it and... um I don't know, about a third of the way or half the way through, I think things really started to make sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, you've just done a lot of homework in this area, a lot of asking questions, a lot of seeking help, a lot of talking to doctors. Um, and I'm just really proud of the way you've pushed through this and gotten some great answers Mm -hmm. and just embraced this uh, process. So I'm excited to hear how you put uh, words to it yeah
0: thank you and ladies this might be a good episode to send to your partners as well so that they can be better prepared to love and support you through all of your changes as well Um, but i thought i would first start um, by giving some definitions i think that would be helpful so menopause is basically the end of ovarian production and it's when you go 12 months or a whole year without monthly periods the average age is 51. So the normal range is anywhere between 45 and 55. But before menopause, before the actual end of ovarian production, a woman begins to go through what is called perimenopause because our aviaries don't just shut down overnight. It's really a process and it can be anywhere from a five to 10 year process of the hormonal production declining. And sadly, it's not just a smooth, easy, predictable process. (laughs) In fact, a lot of OBGYNs call it a roller coaster type experience. Mm -hmm. So if you do the math, if you're a woman who begins menopause at 45, you could potentially start some perimenopausal symptoms at 35. And that was shocking for me to learn. And if you continue to do the math, maybe you don't go into menopause until 55 on the higher end, or even a little later. So then you... You know, if you say you even have a shorter perimenopausal experience, um, you could maybe not start experiencing any symptoms until about the age 50. So, already just with all of that data and information, you can see that this is an individual, complicated, and unpredictable process. And then you add on to that, that it's not really talked about much, um, which oftentimes, you know, women don't know that what they're going through could be attributed to perimenopause. So that can bring with it confusion and shame and frustration and and loneliness. And then the third and final stage is called postmenopause. And that is the years following the 12 months without a period. So basically the rest of your life as a woman living with low hormone levels. So those are the definitions. I think that's helpful to start there. Um, I think the next thing I wanted to talk about were is symptoms. I think um, that helps us know um, a little bit about what stage we might be in. Um, and as a side note, some of the most helpful information that I found about all that I'm sharing has been on the internet. Um, one of the resources I kept going back to as I prepared for this episode, and I've just been dealing with stuff in my own life, are from Dr. Mary Claire Haver, She's an OBGYN who focuses primarily on menopausal issues and she is just a wealth of information and her way of sharing and explaining things just really resonated with me. Um, Okay, so symptoms. Embrace yourself for this list because I certainly had no idea how many things that we go through as women could be attributed to menopause. Um, The reason for this is because there really are estrogen receptors in almost every organ system, or maybe it is in every organ system in our body. And knowing that helps us to understand why women can experience so many different types of things within our bodies during this time. And as a side note too, going back to the three stages of menopause, most of the symptoms I'm going to mention are typically experienced in in perimenopause and in menopause. And the good news in that is by the time you progress well into post-menopause, the major symptoms should be behind you because, you know, most of these issues are a result of all of the hormonal fluctuations that you're experiencing with your estrogen and progesterone levels. Um, However, because of all that you go through, there are increased health risks to consider and be aware of in postmenopause as well. So the journey isn't ever really over. um, And you do want to stay informed about how to care for your postmenopausal body into your 60s and 70s as well. And I know for me, and I've heard this is true for other women and the men in their lives as well. The only menopausal symptoms that I really seem to hear about were hot flashes and weight gain and a lower sex drive. But as I've become a student of this and have been walking through it myself, I've realized that for so many women, these aren't even the main symptoms. And so I'm not sure how menopause has gotten so narrowed down to that, but um, it has. (laughs) So here are some of the things, uh, the rest of the list. Um, It's not an exhaustive list, but uh, a bigger list of some of the more common things you could experience. Yes, hot flashes. Yes, low libido. Yes, weight gain but listen to the rest of this list. Trouble sleeping, which leads to fatigue and lack of energy. Unusual changes in mood, feeling edgy, irritable, or just not like yourself. Sensitivity to smell. GI issues, including incontinence or frequent urination. New body odors, nausea, heavy periods, dry mouth, blurry vision, muscle cramps, disorientation, acne or other skin changes like extreme dryness or itchiness maybe even a feeling of your skin crawling or what can feel like the jumpies or restless legs, tooth pain, night sweats, inflammation, bloating, heart palpitations, a lack of filter in conversations that might be new for you, sometimes re- referred to as the hormonal filter being removed, <laughs> <laughs> a tendency to be more vocal or direct, dry eyes, back aches, pain in your joints, lightheadedness, dizziness, brain fog, forgetfulness, Clumsiness, depression, new allergies, foot pain, pelvic pain, burning mouth syndrome, hair loss or hair growing in new places, moments of anger or even rage, anxiety, panic attacks, loss of muscle mass, itchy ears, hearing loss, bladder infections, food cravings or feeling hungry all of the time, headaches, even migraines.
1: Wow, that's a (laughs) long list for sure.
0: It is. And thankfully, I mean, I don't think there's too many women who would experience all of these things. I thankfully haven't. Um, In fact, I'm grateful that my list of symptoms has been pretty small compared to that, but it was enough, you know, for my quality of life to feel like it was being affected and for people around me like you to notice and wonder what the heck was going on.
1: Yeah. I think what's helpful about that list is that it's, it doesn't just happen on one day. Like you've got this whole category of thinking of perimenopause first which could be up to 10 years of experiencing something more than just a single hot flash, or that's the only symptom. Right. And so those two categories, I think were really helpful for you for us of there is something more going on here and it's not going to just happen on one day. And it's also not going to just be fixed with one pill. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot more going on here and just embrace it. And, um, don't be surprised that you're surprised that things are you know changing. I think yeah. that's what's that's what's helpful about the list is um, don't be surprised when you start feeling more than just hot flashes. There's a whole bunch of other things that you could have as well, and um, they're gonna come uh, before actually you know menopause hits. And don't be surprised.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you need to dread this whole list. Like yeah. I said, you're not gonna probably be faced with all of them, but it's a good reference point because. You know, it's kind of like if you're taking a medication and then all of a sudden you feel something and you go back and look on the side effect list and you're like, oh yeah, that is listed as one of the side effects. It just kind of, you know, helps you get some answers to why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. I think a tricky thing for me too, that I think other women can relate to is that I was going through other things when perimenopause yeah. was starting. Yeah, well said. So I think at the start of it, I attributed some of the symptoms to grief. Um, I just, I yeah. just assumed, okay, this is what grief must feel like. Um, And then when 2020 hit, I started attributing some of the things I was feeling to all that we were going through with the COVID pandemic. And so at this point, I'll never really know which was which. Um, And honestly, maybe grief did make some of my symptoms worse. And maybe the added changes that COVID brought to all of our lives really did cause some of my health stuff. But it really doesn't matter. It was just eye opening to realize that some of the things I was going through could have been perimenopause, not necessarily the horrificness of grief that I was quickly to kind of attribute it to at the time, who knows. But I do think that without taking the time to learn about some of the symptoms that you're facing, it's easy for us as women to just chalk them off as something else, almost side effects of something like COVID or the divorce you're going through or the parenting issues you're having or the stress at work. And I think it is The same for the significant other. I think as a spouse, it can be easy, I imagine, to discount some of the symptoms as well, just attributing them to something else you see your wife going through and therefore kind of thinking she should just get her act together. And what's the problem? Um, It's just not talked about enough yet to recognize that these things are actually a pretty normal part of the process. So many women feel these things, but they just Don't talk about it, not even with their spouse or their closest friends. And sadly, then not even to their doctors out of shame or confusion or embarrassment or not even realizing that these are things they should be bringing to their doctor's attention.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, so often just in life, we want things to be linear and we want things to be having a true start date and Mm -hmm. end date, right? And then you want to have your grief all figured out, wrapped up in a box and put away on a shelf. And now I'll start perimenopause. Mm -hmm. Right. It just doesn't, life just doesn't work that, that way. It's much more colorful, much more unique and it all happens at the same time. And yes, they play off one another uh, and no, it's not going to be linear. We're going to get things in a nice box.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very true. And that's why the numbers that I shared earlier were helpful too, because it is such a range. I mean, nobody knows if there's somebody who's going to have many years of perimenopause symptoms or, or not, or what age they will actually be when it hits them. So yeah, it's it's not linear at all. It is definitely um, unpredictable, which adds to the difficulty. Um, but to kind of share where I'm at in this whole process now, I'm actually in post-menopause now, thankfully. Things are slowly getting back to normal for me, um, but, and I've put in a lot of work. And you've seen that, Eric. I mean, I've been learning and asking questions and meeting with various health professionals And sharing a lot with you and with a few friends and honestly, just making a bunch of small changes that have ended up making a huge difference.
1: Yeah. Journaling, doing a ton of notes, thinking through things, praying through things, talking to more doctors. Yeah. Um, You've really done a good job to lean into this and study it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the first few professionals that I reached out to, um, I didn't get the help that I wanted or needed. And that was hard and I won't get into the details, but I almost started down a path of treatment that I can clearly see now wouldn't have been the right path for me. It wasn't the right diagnosis. Um, so one night, one note of encouragement I just want to give here is to persevere in getting help. And to really advocate for yourself and to push back when you have questions or something isn't setting right with you. And to really get a second opinion if needed. I just had a friend tell me yesterday that she's feeling really off. And she asked for some blood work to get done and to have her hormones checked. And after doing all of that, her doctor assured her that her levels were all normal and there wasn't a problem. But that's not how my friend feels. And she's noticing all kinds of changes. So my encouragement to her and to all of you listening is that if you feel shut down by the first person you seek help from, try, try again. Yeah, I mean,
1: well said.
0: that is what finally made the difference for me. And yes, it was all the small changes that I mentioned, and I'm going to share more about them here coming up. But ultimately, I just had a gut feeling that I should ask somebody else about that first doctor's direction. And that's what led me to find the doctor that I have now. And from the start of our our first appointment together, I could tell that she believed me. And she wasn't just trying to fix my symptoms and make me more comfortable and rush me out of the office. But she really listened. I mean, she sat with me while I cried and babbled through all the things that I was feeling. And she didn't rush me. And I couldn't even find some of the words that I needed to explain some of what I was experiencing. But I just felt seen. And the breakthrough for me just kind of came when she looked me in the eyes and said, I'm going to help you. I have some things to try. And Let's, let's not give up here. And I have some ideas. And this doctor was a new doctor that I hadn't been seeing, but had switched to. And, um, you know, I just I wanted to ask if the path I was told by somebody else to start down was a was really a good option for me. And it's interesting, because I found out that most doctors have limited training on menopause, actually which is bizarre since it's something that half of the population will deal with and half of the population, you know, (laughs) will will live in, (laughs) well, there's, there's that. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, again, working through these years of change and weird symptoms isn't quick or easy. Um, I added it up before we started recording and I have seen five medical professionals the last four years as I have worked to figure out what was going on and get some help and feel some real hope. I met with a functional medicine doctor a physical therapist, my Christian counselor, my gynecologist, and then my new primary physician. So working together with all of the information that I got from each of them is really what has set me on the path for fighting for joy in some really practical ways these last few years and has made my transition now into post-menopause pretty uneventful and smooth and hopeful.
1: Yeah, and, and wouldn't you say you learned pieces of this journey from each of them? Hundred percent. And it wasn't just yeah. like I, if I would start over, I would have just gone with this one person. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you you really did lean heavy on the one doctor that was extremely helpful. I remember when you came home from uh, visiting with her, and I could just tell the relief that you felt like she was addressing the entire mm-hmm. being, body, mm-hmm. soul, spirit, right? Yeah. Um, you know, emotional, spiritual, mental, just the whole process, not just, you know, uh, batting the hatches. It's going to be over soon. Yeah. Right. And yeah. not that you got that from one doctor, but man, from this doctor, you just got the complete opposite. Yeah. And I think you learn yeah. other things from other doctors as well, but. for sure
0: yeah like I think about the physical therapist that I saw a good friend of ours and I just kept getting injured I kept getting injured and I was like what the heck what am I doing these are the same things I've done exercise wise for decades and so why do I keep getting injured and so I I did learn from her some things about um, the tendency during this time to get injured and you know things that can be happening in my body with lower levels of hormones that are going to cause me to be injured Um, more easily and just the stress I was adding onto my body during a time when I needed to maybe be more gentle with it right so yeah each person I definitely took things away and learned from for sure yeah and I think you know because there are so many symptoms and each woman has her own unique and individual journey I mean different things will work for different people but I thought, yeah, you mentioned it, and I think this might be a good time, too, to just share some of the things that I have changed or added um, that have helped me just to kind of give you listening, you know, an idea of what I'm talking about when I mention small changes that can make a big difference. And again, not because I'm saying that you should try all of these things or they're guaranteed to help you, but just to get you thinking, just to give you an idea of some of the types of things that you may want to ask about and pursue and do. So for me, here's a quick list. I wrote them down of some of the changes that I made in order to see some positive and improvements. Like you said, Eric, holistically, mm-hmm. just things that affected my mind and my body and my emotions and my relationships, um, and honestly, even my spiritual life. It, it's given me richer time in prayer and in God's Word because I'm I'm feeling better overall. I think we forget that sometimes that yeah, when right. we aren't feeling well f- physically or emotionally or mentally. We sometimes are going to struggle spiritually on top of that, which makes for a really difficult um, season of life. Um, But it's just, it's a reminder of how God has created us as whole beings. And one area affects other areas in ways that we can observe and recognize, and also in ways that maybe we can't realize or we can't see. Well, although there were physical things happening initially, I decided, um, to start working from the inside out. And my doctor had kind of helped me with that too, but really focusing on getting back to feeling good and feeling more like myself before working on some of the external things. So the first things I tried to do related to my stress level because I had done some blood work that showed my cortisol levels were off, which was causing insulin resistance. And I was experiencing adrenal fatigue, which was leading my body into this overall stressful state. So the first changes I made, I began drinking less coffee. I started switching one or two cups of my coffee, my morning (laughs) coffee to decaf. And then I stopped regular coffee altogether after one every day. I started stretching more and walking more than running and more than my HIIT workouts, which I had loved the high intensity workouts, but they just weren't going to work for me right now. So I started walking and stretching, Um, started going to a restorative yoga class. I put my phone on do not disturb more. And overall, just spent less time on my phone, even trying to leave it in other parts of the house for extended periods of the day. I went back to taking regular baths with some bath salts and oils, which is something I used to love and have always found very relaxing, but just stopped making time for. Um, I started sitting in the sauna at the Y. I was intentional about trying to laugh more, which you're helpful with. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did some more journaling, um, some intentional breathing. I worked to make sure I was getting outside as much as I could, especially getting some sun on my face. I added more prayer into my day and even some guided prayers on the Holy Bible app. I started incorporating breathing and silence even into my prayer time. Uh, I found it calming to use a face roller at night. I took a little hiatus as well from hosting and entertaining, which is something that I love, that we both love. But just wasn't in the best place to do it as effortlessly as I was used to. And just started saying no more, even to good things. Um, and even using no as a complete sentence when I could. And that's a whole topic for another day. <laughs> but um, just figuring out that I needed to set some boundaries, um, you know, with what I could handle um, during the season. And I forced myself to incorporate some fiction reading into my days. And I say forced because I do have a hard time just justifying sitting down in the middle of the day to read like I feel like my days are supposed to be full of work and then and the evenings happen, yeah are. the evenings are kind of where I do stuff like that but I started just kind of setting a timer right. for 20 minutes once or twice a day and I have knocked out a ton a of ton books of books, and have seen some benefits of incorporating um, bringing that back into my life So that list of just kind of some internal work, it's not really rocket science. I mean, these are very simple things, but they are all things that have helped to quiet my stressed out mind and have helped to bring my body back into a healthier state of daily functioning. And then when I started to feel better in my mind and my emotions and my soul, I could turn my focus to my physical body. So the next thing I focused on was sleep. Insomnia and restless nights were becoming pretty common for me and so no surprise that began to affect my attitude and my focus and my energy and my overall joy. So I started doing things to help my sleep. I started drinking bedtime tea. Um I started putting my phone down a good hour or so before bedtime and again with the baths and the face roller. Um, I experimented with different sleep uh, sleep supplements like magnesium and melatonin and holy basil leaf and lemon balm and just kind of played around with that until I found a good mix of a few things that really seemed to help me kind of wind down at the end of the day. I also loved um, the book Atomic Habits and found some ways to incorporate new habits into my day that I wanted to add during the season. Um, I've played around with my diet, adding some more protein and more water and more healthy fats and upping my vitamin B, my omega-3, vitamin D. You and I have both been adding electrolytes, um, taking a probiotic, and again, more magnesium. There were also a couple of supplements that my doctor had recommended that I order from Amazon. One of them is a DIM supplement, which you can look up or ask me about if you're interested, but it's kind of an estrogen metabolizer. Um, But supplements really seem to help me um, for a good period of time. And Dr. Mary Claire, who I referenced earlier, she has a book called The Galveston Diet, which isn't a book about going on a diet. It's about a way of eating to benefit you most during this time. And her book is helping me. It's helping me to better understand an anti-inflammatory diet and a way of eating and offers a lot of suggestions about various foods to take out of rotation during this time and various foods to bring into the rotation during this time to help balance out some of the Wackiness that our bodies go through in menopause, and I've started implementing some of her suggestions, like adding more avocado and eating nuts and pumpkin seeds and all kinds of things I'm trying um so you know I can't list everything here, but I just wanted to mention you know some of the things um and again, that Galveston diet book has been helpful to me because not only is she a doctor who focuses on menopause but she's been through menopause herself, she's been through grief herself, so Again, she just resonated with me. She speaks from experience and lots of compassion.
1: Yeah, I think you've said it a couple of times now. Um, It's about a season. This isn't a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I think that was helpful. We've talked quite a bit about that. And before this season hit, you would go on very long runs long walks be gone for hours and it was really helpful certainly for both of us after Jackson died since mm-hmm. he loved to run our other kids love to run um except for Grace she's not a huge running fan no nah. she likes to swim <laughs> and do other things um but you know you just came home from a run and were hurt um and I remember the the doctor just telling you like You're just going to have to give up some of these things, not forever, but for a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And instead, you're going to need to replace that with lifting weights. Mm -hmm. And you still go out on long walks. You still incorporate runs. But it's totally different than it was before you started this season of your life. Mm -hmm. And I've Mm -hmm. seen you really embrace weightlifting in a new way. And that's scientifically what your body needed. Mm And you're not getting hurt doing that. And you right. were getting hurt in weird places, in your mm-hmm. Achilles heel, mm-hmm. in other tendons, yeah, just in weird things. And it was because, like you said, that stress was already in your body and you were adding the wrong kind of additional stress to it that um, something like lifting weights is totally opposite of.
0: Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That has been definitely something that has been better for me during this season. Yeah. yeah, And
1: we've always talked about seasons But I think it's a good visual and picture. Like there are certain things that you can't do over the summer that you just love. You can't sit in by the fireplace with a roaring fire going underneath the blankets. Right. That's reserved for a different season. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get that back again. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But you're in the summer, but you're in the in the season of summer, let's say, and you're just going to have to embrace what that looks like and look for beauty in that season Um, because it's not for a lifetime that you're going through these bodily, physical, mental changes. It is for a season and you're going to make it through.
0: Yeah, that's well said. And it is helpful to remember that there is, you know, and that's part of this whole idea of experimenting and trying things and you know, yeah. So maybe give up this, that, or the other for a couple months and see how you feel, and then try to add it back in again or whatever. But yeah, I I agree. It is it is for a season, and that's helpful to look at it that way. It's not hopeless. It's just yeah a season. Yeah, yeah. I did make a, an actual list in my journal of all yeah. those changes that I just mentioned and you know, both big and small, it was literally 30 things. I mean, I just yeah. tried to turn everything upside down as much as I can and realize what I was doing wasn't working. And, and I what had, are some things I can do to change? I
1: yeah. had seen those 30 things, mm-hmm. but I never would have been able to put pen to paper on those. And I think that's one of the encouragements for, um, you know, spouses here um, is just to help your um, spouse keep a journal and write these things down. I remember, st- where i stood when you read me the list and it kept going on and on and on i'm like yep i've seen that one yep i've seen that one no way i could have put that list together Mm -hmm. and you were just really good about journaling the whole list of what was helpful or what's out of this season right right now, and just how you're incorporating new things to help.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I also, I think it's important too, I made another list and that was just some of the holistic changes that I was noticing. And I remember reading that to you too, just physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. I mean, I ended up with about 25 ways that things had improved for me. Everything from having less brain fog to, you know, having more energy, to getting better sleep, to having you know, a more consistent body temperature to experiencing less anxiety and yeah, even experiencing more joy and laughter. I just felt like these changes were some of the practical ways that I was fighting for joy and praise God I was finding it.
1: Yeah. I, I remember too, when you came home from one of your doctors, cause you would always bring your journal most always, um, to every single appointment and just take notes and listen and learn. And you've had doctors just sit with you for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember you coming home one time and being like, man, my doctor told me that they've never seen a list like that. Mm-hmm. And that you got it. <laughs> and yeah. that, that was so helpful for the doctor to hear just the whole series um, of these different things that you've done that have been helpful. And it's not just one, it's not just one thing, but it's, it's really the incorporating of all of these things mm-hmm. together.
0: Yeah. She said she had never had a patient come in <laughs> and read both of those lists to her before. And yeah. so, yeah, it was helpful to her too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still working with my OBGYN to kind of tweak a few more things. Um, So I don't feel like I have like a complete yeah. handle on, on everything, but it's definitely been super encouraging to try different things and, do some experimenting to see what resonates with my particular body and wiring, and and then, like I said, to see some of the symptoms slowly go away. I mean, I th- feel like even this past month, I've made some more good progress. Um, so, you know, although I didn't need to end up going down this route, I, I feel like I should also mention hormone replacement. I mean, that is a, a real possibility for for women as well um it's a great option if you are doing the work you're trying all of these kinds of things without success and you're just stuck you're beside yourself miserable Um, you should totally ask about hormone replacement therapy i have friends who have gone on that and have had great success and have felt better quickly so that's an option too Well, as I think about the ways that I've specifically fought for joy through this life change, I have a few things that I just kind of wanted to leave um, the conversation with today. Um, The first one is just, it can be tough to be a woman. I mean, every major stage of life, including puberty and beginning the menstrual cycle to childbearing and all that comes with that. Now, the final changes of ovarian production ending. It's tough, not just on our bodies, but our emotions and our minds and our relationships, and therefore our joy. So, I just want to encourage us as women to stay in this fight for joy together, to keep talking about it. Um, I'm so thankful for all of the resources that are out there. Our grandmas and our moms didn't have the information that we have right here at our fingertips. So, take the time to learn and read and ask the questions. And if you're miserable, try implementing some things today, some small changes today. And if those don't help, try different things. I think the key is just not to give up. The key is to really listen to your body, not to try to figure out what other women are doing or not doing um, or what might have worked for somebody else. It's just really key to pay attention to how your body is doing. And I think it's also important to remember that what you're going through isn't quote unquote, your fault. I mean, this is a result of hormones that Dr. Mary Claire says in her book, hormones are just going to run the show for a while.
1: Hmm. And
0: so, you know, you can't, you can't micromanage them. You can't, you know, just muscle this out. So don't waste time beating yourself up and kind of reverting back to the old logic of just working out harder and eating less. Because if you are in perimenopause or menopause, it will only catapult your body into a further stressed out state. So instead, just ask for help, gather information. And I think it's key to be patient as well and to find somebody who believes you, who will listen to what you're trying to say, even through tears.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well said.
0: And for my lo- younger listeners, I mean, there there really are habits and changes. I mean, Eric's talked about lifting weights. I mean, that's a huge one to implement <laughs> into your life way. now. I wish I would have done more of that in my younger years than than running. Um, so that's a a great habit you can start to do more of now. Um, but there are things you can do in the years leading up to perimenopause that could potentially alleviate, alleviate some, some symptoms when you get to this stage. So I'd encourage you if you're younger and this seems like it's far away, but just, just do some research, do some preparing and learning and not to dread it, um, when you start preparing for it. Um, secondly, I would say that gratitude has really helped me, um, just realizing and focusing, On some of the positives, um, for example, I have been super grateful that all of this hit me when our kids were older, and I wasn't in the busier, younger season of mothering. I've had time to read and time to explore Mm -hmm. options. Um, I've been grateful to have friends who were in the same season with me to walk with me. I've been super thankful for, you know, the companionship that that brings as we vent and cry and work through all of these changes together, and I think it's also helpful not to take ourselves so seriously during this time. Um, It's important to laugh about some of the things that are happening. Um, You know, I have spent my entire life being cold, always freezing cold, always trying to find the thermostat and and secretly turn it up. And, you know, now I'm never cold. I don't have to wear all the bulky sweaters and big coats and I'm much more comfortable throughout the winter. So (laughs) it's just finding silly little things to laugh about. Be grateful for, and Eric, you are definitely at the top of my gratitude list as well. I'm just super thankful for your love and encouragement as we've worked together to talk about and address and deal with all the weird things that have been happening and to find some humor in it when we can. but really, it's been the times that you've listened and sought to understand that have meant the the most. I mean, there were a few times when things really went off the rails with my emotions, and I'm just thankful that you you know believed me, you didn't discount my feelings and what I was going through. Um, So for all the husbands listening, it is worth your time to learn about this, to listen, to be a good listener, to believe your wife about some of the things she's feeling and experiencing and, and not to give up because I think you and I can both say now that there is good stuff ahead on the other side, just a little bumpy road getting there. Right. Lastly, I just want to encourage each woman listening to remember where your, where your true identity lies. I mean, to Mm -hmm. trust our big God, even in this. And to pour out your heart to him and to remember that he hears you and he sees you, even if you aren't feeling heard or seen by those around you. And then, yeah, just try it to the best of your ability to just embrace this season. And like you and I have said, to to keep the perspective that this is just a season.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, so many of my friends obviously are going through this with their wives. Um, And, you know, I think. I've already given a couple helpful reminders. I think one of the other ones that comes uh, to mind is, you know, husbands, um, don't put additional pressure on your wife to rush through this. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not something to be (laughs) fast-tracked. This is not something um, to be jammed or just muscle through. Um, You're going to be here a while and you're going to have to figure it out and And the worst thing you can do is uh, pressure her that you'll find her more enjoyable while on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. Um, You've gotta just, you've gotta give her the space to learn and the uh, space to grow on this, and she needs to feel like she's not in a hurry.
0: Mm hmm that's good.
1: Um, Secondly, I would say, um, you gotta figure out a way to help her sleep. (laughs) <laughs> right. You gotta I mean, I'm just saying yeah. one night I came in oh boy. Uh, over the winter and there was snow on the carpet because the window was open. I kid you not. It was snowing outside, it was coming in the bedroom, she had the fan on, and she had already done her steps and she was in bed, and she was as happy as I could ever see her. And oh, guys, so at that at that point in time, you're either gonna be like, you know what? I'm gonna sleep in another room or we're turning the heater on. You just <laughs> got to go get some sweats and you just got to pick up the snow on the carpet and you yeah. just got to figure out a way to help her sleep. And I love to backpack with the kids. We've told that, you know, story on here. You just got to get in that category of thinking like you've been in the mountains at 11,000 feet above sea level. You just got to dress for it. And if that means every night for a season, you just, you just got to, yeah, buck that's one up of my favorite that.
0: quotes. When you come in and you're like, okay, we're camping tonight. Right. Great fun.
1: All right, another um, another time camping. Um, I I think the other helpful reminder too is, you know, when your blood test came back, um, there was definitely some foods that you were eating that were making things worse. And yeah, you felt I did more do a bloated. food ten-
0: sensitivity test. Yeah, yeah.
1: Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that was super. Yeah. That was super helpful. And I guess my uh, punchline here is, it came back with like you know, 50 different things that are helpful for you to eat and levels where you were way over the top and those levels need to come down. Mm -hmm. And here's the foods that make the levels go over the top. And I think that kind of goes with the camping um, advice to other men is like your, her, her diet's going to change during this time if she's scientific about it. And you just eat the same thing she does. Yeah. Just, I mean, we ate so well during that time. And you became a student of the, it was literally six things that you needed to reduce. Mm -hmm. And if you wouldn't have told me what those were, never would have missed them. Mm -hmm. But just the encouragement to men, like you're in this together. um, Just eat well everything she eats and realize that there are certain things you have to learn that are going to make her feel more bloated, uncomfortable, swollen, et cetera, during this mm-hmm. time there's just, there's just not, not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And some of that is, you know, a luxury to be able to get a test like that because yeah. it isn't covered by insurance and stuff. Um, but it was extremely helpful because again, I was just trying to do as much research as I could about what would might be helpful to get rid of some of the inflammation. Cause I was extremely inflamed. But I think as women, too, we're pretty intuitive. And so if you aren't able to do something like that, I mean, just journal, you know, what you're eating and how you're feeling or, you know, taking notes of, you know, if your feet are getting swollen or your hands are feeling swollen, well, maybe think about what you ate in the last couple of days before that, you know, so it's just I think there is a way to do it without having to pay for a test like that. But it is definitely helpful to realize that certain things um, are not going to be helpful for your body during this time.
1: Yeah. And I think that's another place like guys, if you can sacrifice something and not buy something else to buy that, that's money well spent. I mean, if it's covered by HSA or however it is or not, um, that's one that, um, I would highly recommend. It wasn't that expensive. Um, it was just super helpful. And I thought that was one of those things that really, you know, catapulted you. It, it was, yeah. Way uh, down, down the road on Yeah, that.
0: I think that's a good point, too, because we are so quick to spend money on a brand new phone, you know, yeah. on <laughs> different things that cost hundreds and hundreds of that's dollars. Right. But then when we look at the bill for three months of counseling, we're like, oh, my word, no, that's way too expensive. Yeah. Or, yeah, blood yeah. tests like that. Oh, no, that's not covered by insurance. We're not going to do that. Um, but yeah, there it is a worthy investment when you're in the midst of this season to just be like, okay, this this may have some real long-term benefits yeah. if we can sacrifice a little bit to get some help here.
1: Yeah. And I think the last reminder to husbands is just keep reiterating the message that um, God loves the world he made. And he specifically made it a material world. We're not just spiritual beings. We're not mm-hmm. just physical beings. Yeah. and If, if that, if he didn't value that, he never would have put his son in human flesh to be Mm -hmm. born of a baby. And that absolutely shows his value of this material world that he cares about, that he wants to redeem and he will redeem. And the brokenness of the fall will be redeemed through the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And it's a material restoration of all things. And, um this is this is not something to be um to be hurried through god loves the material and god has a plan for the material (laughs) and um and one day he will set all things right in a material world and we look forward to that and in the meantime i think it's just a good reminder that yes we are fearfully and wonderfully made the uh, psalmist writes and God proved his value of this material world in John chapter one, when the word Jesus Christ became flesh and he tabernacled, he dwelt among us in bodily form Mm -hmm. and look who he healed. Look at the blind people that he made their eyes opened. He wasn't just concerned about getting the church right or the church set up or Mm -hmm. the uh, synagogues um, fixed, right? He wasn't just, he wasn't just concerned with that. He was doing these miracles um, to show I care about the material world mm-hmm. and I care about setting all things right. And I value this and, um, it's, it, this world is so broken. You need a savior. You, mm-hmm. you need Christ. Um, and, and I just think that's a good, helpful reminder of this too, um, that we live in the material world that God, that, that God made and he is restoring all things to himself. Yeah.
0: That's a great, great way to end. I mean, that's a big reason why I wanted to do the podcast is God does care about our bodies. And he does hear our cries when things are disordered and broken. And um, I'm so grateful that we have him to run to in this knowing that, yes, he cares about our bodies. And And, you know, I just want to say, too, even with all that we have been walking through these last couple of years, I mean, I really am loving where I'm at in life. And that is a really hopeful thing I want to share, too. I mean, I just I'm liking my 50s. I mean, (laughs) there has been times where it's frustrating or slow, but I can give testimony that there is real hope and real help in menopause. And I just want this episode to maybe make somebody listening a little... Feel a little less crazy, a little less alone, less confused or discouraged, and just better equipped to fight for joy in the middle of this unique season of life. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.